the whole idea of mirroring, as Chris explains it, is you want to let the person unpack their thinking and you want them to know you're listening. So you do that by asking these follow-on questions. Smart e-commerce operators know that net profit is the lifeblood of a business, but at a small and profitable business than a large one which earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook by Jason Miles gives you 17 specific proven profit-taking actions. For a limited time, we are sharing this valuable resource with our listeners completely free. Download your 60-page workbook and start making your business more profitable today. Just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That's theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Negotiation is a word that strikes fear into many people's hearts. In e-commerce, like any other business, you have little choice but to get better at negotiation. I personally feel, though, that many people miss a trick because if they embrace negotiation, they could really, really improve their businesses by a huge amount in all sorts of ways. The go-to book for this that I've recently rediscovered and fallen back in love with is Chris Voss's great book, Never Split the Difference. Chris Voss was an FBI hostage negotiator, so what works for hostage negotiation works double in business. So that's what we're going to discuss today. Jason. Are you up for this discussion? Oh, yeah. This is a great topic. When you first suggested we go over it, I I haven't read the book, but I did notice that Chris Voss has a masterclass course on the art of negotiation. And then he has one that's also for like workplace employment related negotiation stuff. And so I've watched both of those, watched the, the content of the negotiation masterclass several times. And actually, just like you, I just really, really fell in love with the stories and the the strategies and the topic in general. And so, yes, I'm very eager to jump into this and talk through some of it and hear your thoughts and ideas on it as well. So let's, yeah, let's jump into Chris Voss, master negotiator and his strategies and tactics and do our best to share our perspective on them. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that makes the, the book really cool, and it's a great lesson for anyone writing a book, and I think he did have ghostwriting help on this, but he has incredibly cool personal stories, having negotiated with terrorists for years and years. Most of us don't have quite such cool stories. We've got a couple of examples that I'll chuck in there. So let's get going. So the first point is strategic, or even more of an orientation to life idea, a mindset change, which is tactical empathy. Everyone likes the word tactical. The word empathy implies, and I think is right, it implies a lot of emotional work, but really what the, the big insight that they had in the FBI, really in the 90s and 2000s, maybe in the 90s, starting in the 1980s, is that aggression wasn't working very well for them. They lost a lot of people in, in sieges and that sort of thing. And so you really need to build a trust-based relationship built on mutual understanding, which by the way, if you're dealing with a terrorist does not mean that you sympathize with their viewpoint of the world. You understand it doesn't mean you endorse it in any way, which is one one of those things that politicians anywhere in the world always struggle with because you can't be elected by saying we should empathize with terrorists. But that was in fact what Chris Voss had to do. So very, very important that the word empathy is not confused with sympathy as well. So that's the first basic principle. 
Yeah. When I heard him talking about this, it reminded me of training from Grant Cardone, sales training. And the sales training that Grant Cardone teaches, his first rule, like his first thing he talks about is never, ever be disagreeable with your prospect. You want to have an empathy of a rapport. You want to have a, a fun time with them. You want to make it fun. And his whole thing is like, if you're confrontational, like you're screwing up. And so always be agreeable, deferential, be kind. One of the things Grant Cardone says that fits into this idea is that whatever the prospect says when you're in a sales position or whatever their comment is, he always says, agree with it. Which at first I was like, no, you can't do that. But he said, you always can agree with it. Like they can say, you're the biggest jerk I've ever dealt with. Your response can be, I know, I totally get that. And it's been a long day. So let's talk about the details of this product or whatever. Always be agreeable. Because if you're not, you're going to have a confrontational dynamic. And that fits right in with what Chris Voss is expressing here with this tactical empathy stuff, which is you will not win if you're being combative vocally or or stylistically. It's got to be fun. And, and if it is fun, I mean, if you can get to the point where it's, there's rapport there and may, obviously in his case, when he's negotiating with bank robbers or whatever, nobody would say it was fun, but he was doing it in a way that was not combative. There was this level of trust and rapport yeah. that he could get to really fast with people. Yeah. It was very interesting. I, I would, I would, I would also question the thing is for most of us, it probably wouldn't feel fun to do hostage negotiation. I think for Chris Voss, the guy chose it. He, he. Mm-hmm. I think it was fun. I think in a crazy way, like people choose extreme sports like rock climbing. I can relate to that. I mean, I, I haven't done many extreme sports, but I've done things that are kind of socially scary. Like socially scary? In front of hundreds of people. Socially scary, if you like. It's not as bad as hostage negotiation, but I kind of like things that get the heart rate going. So not all people would want that. But I, I think the, anyway, coming back to Grant Cardone's point, the disagree without being disagreeable is the way that a New York Times editor put it succinctly, which Chris Voss says is, mm-hmm. is a nice way of putting it. So let's move on to the next one. So if somebody says something like, I think you're a real a-hole or, or whatever a weird thing they say to you, then you could be dealing with a very assertive type person. And that works particularly well with that person to mirror the last few words or not literally the last few words, but the point they're making. So if somebody said to me something like, God, I can't believe you damn internet un- unedited. Uh, I'm trying to speak without swearing and editing myself heavily here. You flipping internet marketers can't trust the word you say. And I say something like, can't trust the word I say, question mark. And then they probably say, well, yeah, I mean, maybe exaggerating, a little exaggerated. Well, okay. Yeah, maybe. So it works really, really well at deconstructing sort of uh, very thick positions and calmly getting on rapport with somebody, but actually in a way of, of it tends to deconstruct or deescalate highly emotional times. Caveat, mm. you mm. must have tactical empathy. If you do it in a way where you don't have empathy and don't care about the other mm. person, that will communicate itself and you'll just come across as very sarcastic and which is wow. exceptionally bad. So you've got to do this stuff within the the overall sphere of rapport, as it were. What do you mean by fixed position? Other people have a fixed position. Well, they say something like all internet marketed lie or something like that. If they have a very mm-hmm. rigid belief, mm-hmm. then that's going to be something that completely gets in your way if you're an internet marketer. And I might say something like, well, we all lie, all internet marketers lie or something like that. And then just wait for them to start to respond to the implicit question is that, is that actually true? Now, um, see what we just did there was Michael did mirroring and then I did deep mirroring, 
which is a different angle where I chose a phrase that he had uh-huh. used in his comment and but he wasn't done speaking but then i asked him about it and that mirroring it the whole idea of mirroring as chris explains it is you want to let the person unpack their thinking and you want them to know you're listening so you do that by asking these follow-on questions and and it, it can be as simple as repeating the last three words that they said with sort of an uptick in your voice like really or like whatever they said and saying really uptick would be like confrontational in a way that's sort of that, that sounds almost snarky yeah probably. but if you just repeat yes, what be they say, if you yeah. repeat what they say you will in- elicit them continuing to speak which is his whole thing is you want them to continue sharing you know i mean so what's interesting about this as well is that a, a lot of what chris voss talks about is more sort of uh, almost a mindset change or strategic level but quite a lot of it's mm-hmm. simple and tactical and this is like the biggest yeah outcome in terms of rapport and changing relationship that you can have from a simple, simple tactical tool, which is kind of amazing. And it, it really does work. I mean, you've got to do it the right way, but particularly works with assertive types. We'll talk about types later, but somebody's very, very yeah. hard driven, like the, the sort of negotiating cliche is probably suits or some TV series like that, where lawyers wandering around with yeah. waving at each other. And if you've got somebody like that, just mirror all day and they just talk for an hour. And that that's a really fantastic way to deal with a personality like that. If you come across them. And so just to zoom out to 30,000 feet for a second, like the whole idea of sure. getting them to talk more and doing mirroring and trying to build that tactical empathy is because you, you're on basically the opposite side of somebody who you're honestly, if you're trying to negotiate like for a business deal, like literally for their business, or are you trying to sell them your business or something like that? You're, what you're trying to do is a discovery game to figure out what do they care about? What is the big deal to them? What's the small deal to them? What's the thing that you think is a big deal that maybe is no big deal at all? And the only way you're going to get into that stuff is if you let them run the script out, just let them talk through the detail. And if they say one curt little statement to you and they're being kind of hold in America, I don't know if this phrase makes sense in England, but the people will say you hold your cards close to your vest. You're not showing, you're not revealing very much and yeah we say mirroring principle in the ek yeah. yeah yeah the mirroring principle is you want people to unlock their thoughts and ideas so you start to really build rapport with them and understand where they're coming from which is a huge part of of negotiation i would just say this before we move on that i was trying to work on buying a business that i, I had made an offer i had not heard back it was in a long long process of negotiation and then there was a time where it was like, okay, we were going to have the conversation. And the whole mental script ahead of time in my mind was build rapport, be agreeable, you know, uh, have, have empathy, do not be confrontational. Like this whole first step, like this, this tactical empathy, that was the only mantra in my mind. Whatever happens, I'm cool. I'm happy. This is co- This is great. Not confrontational. And that, that served me so well in the conversation, honestly, and I'll just leave it at that. But that was a key thing that I was trying to camp on in my mind so that I didn't get into confrontation mode. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah, Some of us find that easier than others. I mean, I'm, I'm a person that is very agreeable until I sort of get some hot buttons pushed and then Mm -hmm. I flip into confrontational aggressive mode. You're a person that's very agreeable. A lot of the time, my experience, and we all have that possibility, but 
yeah, yeah. If it's not natural for you or if you have to work on it, I would just say what you just said, that like you just have to commit to it. And if you mess up, then you got some extra work to do and that will, can happen in any relationship, yeah. but it's a lot less work to get it right in the first place. Absolutely right. Now this tees up the third idea here that we're talking about. So we talked about tactical empathy and mirror and the, the third idea is like, okay, well, what if somebody goes off the rails? W- what if you get into it and there's like real animosity, anger, contempt, where the person on the <laughs> other side of the negotiation is like clearly triggered, like is yeah, not yeah. happy time. What, like, what do you do? And this, this third tip, this third idea that Chris Voss talks about is labeling is the phrase that he calls it. Yeah. And it's a very interesting technique that he talks about for hostage negotiators. And this is scientific. It's really interesting. Basically said that what they learned was if you're dealing with somebody who's hostile, that if you simply point out the fact that you're uh, aware that, that you're perceiving them as, as whatever it is, hostile, that it diffuses them. So, for example, if they're really mad, you, you could say something, and he has a few just little coined phrases he uses, like, like it seems like you're really upset about this issue, or, or it, it, it seems like, or what I mean, he says not to use the phrase what I'm hearing, because that's overused, that's cliche, but something to the effect yeah. of it sounds like you're really mad about whatever, and just yeah. letting that be a statement will not only yeah. diffuse them, they'll walk back their anger edge or their kind of harsh edge, but then they'll also it potentially unlock what's going on. It's very fascinating. Veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. It is absolutely fascinating. A couple of little extra tips. Don't use the word I, which sounds like a small thing, but that psychologically is quite more of a challenge. It makes it more from confrontational. So if you say, I'm hearing a lot of anger from you, that doesn't sound good. Whereas it seems like there's some anger here. I'm going to try and make some things out about the situation. You're right. It's it's really, really important to yeah. let it out and to be like a good, I mean, what reminds me of is, is those people that are much better at this than me naturally. They're not trying to negotiate for a big business mm-hmm. deal, but they are very patient. And that's the people at the banks that I have to deal with. I kind of have things mm-hmm. that, that push my buttons. One of them is banks wasting my time, putting them on hold for 25 minutes. And then it's taking me through an extremely bureaucratic system. And I have to say, most of the employees out there are, are pretty impressive at doing this. They, 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 they stay very calm. That is the thing you were saying. Also, sometimes they say, I can hear you're a bit upset. One of the things that's interesting is that this is not just about when it goes off the rail. At some point, I think there are two, two extra nuances I put there. One is that at some point it will be emotional for people. Even if they're both controlling their emotions, if you're dealing with a lot of money and you think, wow, I can get a $2 million business for $1 million, you're excited and also nervous. And they feel like, is this guy ripping me off? I'm, I'm selling yeah. a million dollar business. Emotions bound to be there. So I think this labeling thing is really critical, even if it doesn't seem like it's going off the rails. 
The other thing I would say, and this is really important, I'd, I'd like to get your take on this. I don't know if you've experimented with this, but he talks about doing an accusation audit, which I think is really great for coming mm. across as a normal human being, not some kind of coaching robot or consulting or salesperson robot. And my favorite story of this is Chris Voss. He is in the, the FBI in America in whatever it is, the 90s. And he goes to Canada to do some, some work there. And he didn't get country clearance, which technically means that he could be kicked out of the country by the, the Canadian authorities. And his way of dealing with this is to just basically fess up the fact that he's messed up. And he phoned up the head of the authorities and said, forgive me, father, for I have sinned. And he said, what? Forgive me, father, for I have sinned. And there was a big pause because the guy on the other side knew exactly what he meant. And Chris knew that he was in the wrong. And the, the guy on the other side knew that he knew he was in the wrong as well. And there was a big sign. He said, okay, Chris, you got country clearance. I think it's very cool is that it's a rather human way of doing it. So as an instant marketer, the thing I would be doing first early on in the conversation with somebody I was going to work with, say, look, I understand instant marketers, hard people to trust, right? I get it. We've all seen the adverts. We've all seen the YouTube clips. So I'm one of those guys. I'm sorry about that. But do you think we can break bread anyway? Or something playful like that. And, and I think it's really, really helpful to, to get that right. Love it, man. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's call that number four, accusation audit. That was yeah. an interesting thing that yeah. he shared in the masterclass because it's mm. a little counterintuitive. But I listened to that masterclass and I was in a business negotiation and via email, the person I was negotiation with, negotiating with did this exact thing. In the message, it was basically like, Jason, you probably think I'm just trying to rip you off. You probably think I'm a big jerk and not even somebody you should be working with. He lists like six or seven things. And I was like, dude, he's doing the accusation on it on me. Like I totally saw it. I was like, okay. Yeah. I know what he's doing. He's he's read the same course. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it it does work there, doesn't it? Because the thing is, what it is again about tactical empathy, empathy, understanding what somebody else is feeling or thinking, right? So you probably are at some point in the negotiation with anybody else. You probably at some point think, this guy, stars, girl, slash, whatever, is trying to rip me off. There is probably that part of your brain that's thinking that. And so to get ahead of that is very smart because it diffuses it. Then they can't say to you, I think you're trying to rip me off. And you say, look, yeah, I, I get how you're saying that. We got instant marketers, slash, business buyers, slash, whatever, business brokers, whatever your favorite bugbear is. I think in it's such psychological like, smart tactics. Yeah, yeah in, in that, that situation, not saying you should do it all the time. Yeah. In that situation, it was one of those deals where I was like, I was playing chess and I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. he just did a move on me. Now he would do that because he wants to elicit tactical empathy, which I didn't not have empathy. It was just, we were just in the point of conversation where I was like, so, so what I did in response was I diffused it by saying, no, honestly, didn't think any of those things, but I went right back to the point. And so if you're in negotiations and you see this stuff, you're like, oh, this person's mirroring me. This is for this person's doing an audit, an accusation audit, or this person's labeling and trying to box in what, what they're perceiving my emotion as. Then you that you're working with somebody who obviously is almost, they've been hardened, I guess you could say in negotiations. They've seen this stuff or done this stuff before. And then you're like, okay, well, then you, you've got a toolkit and they've got a toolkit. And you've got an opportunity to continue to work through kind of the main issues uh, at play. So it is very interesting. It's very interesting. It is. I mean, by the way, the fact that your opposite number is a sophisticated operator is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, they're less likely to throw their toys out of a pram about something 
that isn't yeah. actually important to them, but they, they're, they're just allowing their emotions to get caught up. So I think it's actually a good thing. But as you say, you need to be aware if they're playing a game to try and control the situation at an unconscious level, then yeah, that's when you need to step up, which really brings us to number five, really, which is giving. This is so super smart. Again, everything about this mm -hmm. is so smart because it's gone through decades of hard-won experience. People died multiple, multiple times in order to get this information to us, really. This is the crazy thing. So this is not some business theory, but this is why I love it. It's so hard won. Number five, the illusion of control through questions. And that's, if somebody else is using that on you, yeah, to your point, really got to look out for that. So give mm -hmm. us a couple of examples here, Jason, because I know you've been following this stuff a while. You've been using this recently as well yourself. Yeah, it's very interesting because it gets back to the original comment I made, which is what you're trying to do as a discovery game when you're in a negotiation. How much will they pay? How much, how long will they take to pay? Will you, will you buy? Will you not buy? It's all, it's all a discovery game. And so part of the way you get at that is this framing of questions. And this, this title that he calls this idea is the is offering people the illusion of control through questions. I'm not sure that's the right exact label. Maybe it should just be labeled smart questions to help you. And and it, the frame that he includes is questions that are helpful to you are like what questions and how questions. Not accusatory. None of them should ever be accusatory, but they should be framed in in honestly inquisitive. Like a questions for example, he uses as an example is a question would be like, well, if somebody says something then you could be like, well, well, that, that sounds, that sounds doable. What would that look like? What, what would that look like? Or how, how would that questions, how, how would, how will, how would we know this would, was working? Or those kinds of questions, what questions, how questions are mm. basically framing things to elicit more information, to unlock them speaking and sharing and getting at more of what they want or don't want. And if, and framing the future deal, like, like the, the outcome in their mind so you understand oh this is what they're hoping for this is their this is their end game he says not to do one type of question which is why question which is because it sounds yeah. so accusatory it sounds so judging yeah. and so like yeah it, it, you can't do a, a why question without it kind of sounding like you're challenging the person's logic or statements so what questions Absolutely. are great how questions are great why questions are bad yeah yeah, a couple of nuances to that. I mean, one of the way reasons, one of the ways to use this is not just to gain information, although it's critical, and to you know regain or to build a, a rapport. But it's also saying no without sounding like you're saying no. So if you said to me, Mike, I want to buy your mm. business for you know five hundred thousand dollars, I I'm my absolute minimum is a million dollars. I might just say, How am I supposed to do that, Jason? And then just shut up mm. and leave it there. And mm. the other person's going, Huh? What? Because what you're doing is forcing the other person to try and solve your problem. So my problem is, yeah. I don't want to give the business away for less than a million dollars. Now I made it your problem. And it's also quite confusing. And this is where a bit of ninja tactics are going on because mm -hmm. it's not just about enlisting information. That's more old school, 1980s, getting to yes kind of thinking. This is more mm -hmm. about keeping your opponent on the back foot and slightly just, as uh, Chris says, and you want to ever so gently shake your opponent really when you start off. And this is part of it. It's a bit confusing if you say a million dollars and I say, how am I supposed to do that? But normally you'd expect no, or that's too low, or mm, right. let me think about that. But how mm -hmm. am I supposed to do that? It's unexpected and it makes you go, mm -hmm. what? And then you lose your train of thought. Or yeah, because it's not a binary. It's not a yes, no, right? It's not like a, no. it's, it's a, it's a complicated question, but it, but it, but you're right. It puts the person in the seat of having to think for, 
with you for you as if they were on your side I mean, of the table. I think it's deeper than that. I think in NLP terms, I mean, I used to work with NLP uh, practitioners. Mm -hmm. I, I That was one of my first brushes with internet marketing. I did some work for a guy for a while as a salesman who was an NLP master trainer. And I believe that puts you into some kind of state where you're searching for an answer, but you haven't got it yet. And you're more suggestible in that state. So actually, I think there's quite oh. a lot of profound psychological stuff going on. But yeah. you don't need to know that because this stuff does work. I mean, <laughs> I've tried this out and it literally does make people get, huh? And then it stops in the tracks. And they're not asking for a million dollars anymore or whatever it is that you didn't want. Hey there, folks. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Hope you enjoyed it as much as Jason and I do. We love this stuff. It seems we're both uh, really fascinated by negotiation. I think negotiation applies to everyone in all walks of life as a skill set and particularly in business. So don't assume you can get away without it. If you're a bit worried about it, don't enjoy it yet. Go and get the training from Chris Voss. It's fantastic stuff. So here are the principles. Just to quickly recap the first five. Number one, tactical empathy. That's an overarching principle and a state of mind and a mindset, as well as a sort of emotional skill, um, really the bedrock on which everything else rests. Number two is mirroring, repeating the last few words, assuming you have rapport and only then doing that can be really amazing at deepening rapport. If you don't have a, a, the right mindset um, and you come across as sarcastic, then that can be really destructive. Everything comes down to tactical empathy underlying everything. Number three is labeling negative emotions. It seems like um, so-and-so is not good for you, but also labeling, labeling positive values as well. Um, for example, it seems like getting a lot of detail is very important to you if you're dealing with a detail merchant. Um, it seems like, um, and so forth. So sort of value elicitation and checking in. But also number four, the accusation audit. Before people even um, say that, um, you know, that you've done something wrong or that you sense you've done something wrong, you can deal with prejudices that, that your other side might have or nervousness. They might be, uh, for example, thinking that you are a business buyer, therefore you're going to try and rip them off or that you are a typical supplier and um, you're going to give them bad value or something like that. And you can state that up front. Very good for rapport building. Number five is the one of the master keys, calibrated questions. That can be a way of getting information, but they're actually a way of getting, giving the other party the illusion of control whilst you retain control. And a great one of those is the how question. How am I supposed to do that? Which is a way of saying no, but without hard no, it's a sort of gentle, uh, way of saying no. So this is deep stuff. These are deep waters. So I would just strongly urge you to go and buy the book, which is, uh, never split the difference by Chris Voss. V-O-S-S, -S, who lest we forget, was an FBI hostage negotiator, in fact, the chief hostage negotiator. So if it works with terrorists, it sure as heck works in business. And my experience is that this stuff really, really works incredibly well, but you've got to master the skill like anything else. So go read the book and get practicing and um, do email um, Jason or me if you've got some exciting stories to tell about your experiences with that. We'd love to hear it. Um, easiest one is Michael at Amazing FBA. That's M I C H A E L at Amazing com. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on any podcast player near you if you've enjoyed it. Cheers. Veteran e commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business. Better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money. The Profit Habits Workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable, specific and proven profit-taking actions. You can implement 
them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company. The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash profit habits. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, product, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening.